Once again, good morning. That particular song will serve as the basis of our discussion today. Who is this Jesus you talk about every day? He is my everything. Here's the verse I was thinking about just a second ago. Colossians 3, verse 4. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall also appear with Him in glory. That's a great verse. It goes right along with this ideal. He is my everything. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall also appear with Him in glory. Our focus, though, will be on who is this Jesus, because we must know about Jesus before He can be our everything. Who is this Jesus? Our text this morning will be from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. There's a parallel chapter, Luke 1, 26 to 38. This is the announcement of the birth of Jesus and from this announcement, we can discover who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Since, of course, we can't go everywhere throughout Scripture with the time that we have, we'll just narrow our discussion down uh, to these few verses, especially here in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Let's, let's do a quick survey of Matthew 1, 18 to 25 before we get to our our main discussion. In Matthew 1 and in verse 18, we see some companions here, Mary and Joseph, some companions. They are betrothed together before they come together. They are betrothed together. In the Jewish culture, this was a very strict engagement. You're already known as husband and wife after you have been betrothed uh, to each other. We also see here in Matthew 1.18, a child, a child. Before they come together, even during the betrothal, Mary is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You see that? And then we see here that Joseph is contemplating. Joseph is contemplating. He's a righteous man, a just man. He doesn't want to shame her, but he's seeking a way to put her away. Uh, privately, and he's contemplating, he's considering this, and then that's when the angel appears to him in a dream and does some clarification. He clarifies. He says, the angel says to Joseph, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is, of, is from the Holy Spirit. And so the angel clarifies for Joseph, Go ahead and and go and do as you have planned to do. And then Matthew makes a reference to, to Isaiah 7.14. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then at the end there in verse 25 we see some discussion about chronology because it says that Joseph did not know his wife until this particular son uh, was brought forth and was born. And so from these thoughts and also from Luke 1, we can answer the question, who is this Jesus? Briefly this morning, first of all, 
Notice that Jesus is the Savior. He's the Savior of mankind. Notice Matthew 1 and 21. Matthew 1, 21. The angel said to Joseph that you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. So when we say, well, who is this Jesus? Number one, he is the Savior of mankind. He's known as the Savior, not just here. Let's notice some parallel verses. In Luke chapter 2, for instance, Luke 2, 10 and 11, the angels declared to the shepherds in the field. And they say to the shepherds in the field, Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, for unto you this day is born in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Born to you a Savior. And this is glad tidings of great joy that will be to all uh, the people. Not only Luke 2, 10 and 11, but you might notice John 4 and 42. The Samaritans, the Samaritans say similar ideals about Jesus. In John 4, 42, the Samaritans say, For we have heard for ourselves that this is indeed the Savior of the world. See that? John 4 and verse uh, 42. And then notice Peter's uh, sermon in Acts uh, chapter 4 and verse 12, Acts 4 and verse 12, where he declares that salvation is in none other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus is the Savior. Notice one other parallel verse, 1 John 4 and verse 14. 1 John 4 and verse 14. John says, We have seen and we do testify that God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Who is this Jesus you talk about every day? He is the Savior. He's the Savior. The idea of a Savior is one who rescues another from danger. One who rescues another from danger. We were watching a little show the other day and it was about a detective and his, and his, and his dog, his German Shepherd. And the bad guys got a hold of the detective, put him in a coffin, put him underground, put a little air hole out, but the bad guys wanted uh, some money for the life of the detective, and so the race was on to save this detective, save his life, and, and somehow capture the bad guys, which of course did eventually happen. But the idea of a savior is that he rescues another from danger. I think some of the best VBSs that we've had over the years is when we focus on the great rescues of the Bible. Whether it is God through Noah, or God through Abraham, or God through Joseph, or God through Moses, or God through Joshua, or God through Rahab, or God through Gideon, or God through David, whoever it might be, wherever God is working, when we see a rescue, we are reminded that Jesus provides the greatest rescue of all, and that is He rescues us from sin. Galatians 1 and verse 4 says, Jesus gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us. That's the idea of rescue there. That He might deliver us from this present evil world. Also, 
remember in Colossians 1 and verse 13, it says that Jesus delivered us from the power of darkness, the domain of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have the forgiveness, the redemption of our sins. And so Jesus is the Savior. Now notice real particular here, and this is, this is where we need to go with people. Okay. Notice going back to Matthew 1, 21, it says, He shall save His people from their sins. Notice His people from their sins. Does the Bible explain how to become part of the people of Jesus? Okay. Does the Bible explain this? And it does in a variety of ways. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It talks about the people of God there. In fact, it says that, that the people of God proclaim, show forth the excellent nature of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once was not a people but are now the people of God, who once had not obtained mercy, but now they have re received mercy. Now what is it that is said there in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 that shows how a person becomes a, a, a part of the people of God? How is it that we go from not being a people to being a people of God, having not received mercy, now we have received mercy? Notice closely there in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, God has called us out of darkness. All of those who have been called out of darkness, those are the ones that become the people of God. And you recall from 2 Thessalonians 2 and 14 that God uses the gospel to call us out of darkness. The gospel reveals to us all that we are, we've been talking about already, all, all the good news about Jesus Christ. It reveals to us the fact that we are sinners in desperate need of our Lord and his salvation, it reveals to us all the love, all the effort, all the work God has put in to provide salvation. It reveals to us the conditions of salvation, of, of faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. It reveals, so God uses the gospel to call anyone who is willing out of darkness and make them the people of God. Now, furthermore, just in expanding on that very idea, look over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. Acts 2 and 39. There, Peter, speaking of salvation, he says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those who are far off, just as many as the Lord God shall call to himself. Just as many as the Lord God shall call to himself. You see, that's exactly what God was doing there on the day of Pentecost through Peter, through the words of Peter, Peter's sermon there in Acts 2. He is calling to the known world of that day. He's calling out to the world. Okay. Notice carefully in verse 37 that the audience there, Peter's audience, when they, when they heard what he was saying, they were pricked in their heart and they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter responds, repent ye and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see how God called those folks through the gospel, called them out of darkness of sin, 
into his marvelous light. They were once now not a people, but now they're part of the people of God. See, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He shall save his people from their sins. Before we leave this thought, notice one other statement in Ephesians 5.23. Ephesians 5.23, Paul speaking of the church. He says, For as the husband is the head of the wife, even so Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the body. See, he shall save his people. Well, the body is the Lord's church, and the Lord saves all those who submit uh, to his will. In fact, listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, for by one spirit, notice 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. See, And Jesus is the Savior of the body. We could go on and on with such parallels as this and expanding on this idea, but I think we can all see that when we say, well, who is this Jesus? He is the Savior of mankind. Secondly, this morning, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Going back to Matthew 1 and, and uh, 23, the citation from Isaiah 7, 14 brought uh, to our attention by, by Matthew here, Matthew 1. This is a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And he should be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God. I want us to notice the God side of this statement and then the with us side of this statement. On the God side of this statement, Jesus is always God. Always God. Before Jesus came to this earth, He was, is God. Notice His words in John 8 and verse 58. He says, before Abraham was, I am. I am, John 8, 58. We learn from Colossians 1 and 16 that Jesus was before all things and in Him all things consist. And through Jesus and by Jesus were all the worlds created, the heavens and the earth and all all things. Without doubt, before Jesus came to this earth, He is God. And this statement here, Emmanuel, God with us, shows that while Jesus was on earth, He was, is God. He showed Himself to be God in so many miraculous ways. And then even now, and forever, Jesus is God. Notice a statement from Hebrews 1 in verse 8. Unto Jesus, He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. That is being written, that is being said to Jesus. Okay? None of the angels will ever have this said to them. But Hebrews 1 verse 8 declares that unto Jesus it is said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so Jesus is always God. 
when our grandbaby Lucas was born a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to teach an adult class in Uvalde, Texas, and I was going over some of these ideas, and, and I was encouraging comments, and one man spoke up and said, well, when Jesus came to earth, then doesn't that mean that God was only two-thirds God, at least for a while, that Jesus wasn't God while on earth? And of course, these are the very kinds of passages and ideas that we discuss because Jesus is always God. It doesn't mean that we understand completely the idea of Him becoming flesh and that we can just explain all that in, in human words. No, but it is uh, what it is. On the God side, God with us, also on the God side, remember Jesus is always powerful. Jesus is always powerful. What a miracle it is to think about God becoming flesh. As John 1.14 says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's right. Deity, divine person of, of heaven becomes flesh. That is an incredible, powerful thing. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that He, he walked on the earth. He, he, he breathed. He bled. He, he ate. He drank, he went to sleep, he had emotions, he, he laughed, he cried, he, he was around people, he was by himself. He was here on this earth. Hebrews 10.5 says that in this process God prepared a body for him. It's just amazing to, to contemplate uh, this. He became flesh. Philippians 2.5-8, without just reading all those verses, you remember that he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's amazing to think about. And Jesus is a miracle baby. When we think about the God side, God with us, he, he always powerful. He was and is the miracle baby. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Joseph is explained by the angels, explained to Joseph, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In other words, literally out of the Holy Spirit. The angel Gabriel explains to Mary in Luke 1, about uh, verse 35, when, when, she says, when she says, how can this be? I've never known a man. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you and he who is formed within you shall be called Holy, the Son of God. Miracle. How do you explain that? You can't explain it. It's a miracle from God. God seems... I don't even think you use the word seems. God is calling attention, the attention of the world, to His Son. The prophecies of old point to His Son. The virgin birth of Jesus points to His Son. The perfect teaching that Jesus did while on earth points to His Son. The miracles of Jesus point 
to his son. The father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's pointing to his son. John the Baptist came pointing to the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This perfect son died for our sins. On that day that he died, darkness covered the earth. There were earthquakes popping up. The dead came forth from the grave. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. As he said that he would, he walked around among people teaching more for 40 days on this earth. He ascended up on high. He made Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, happen. It's as if the God is shouting to the world, pay attention, look at all these signs. And so God with us, God, Jesus always God. God, Jesus always powerful. But look at the with us side of it too. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to this earth? Let's quickly review some reasons why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us the Father, John 1.18. To just show us more about the Father in heaven. Show us what God is like. John 14.7-9 He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says. So He came to, to show us the Father. He came to leave us the perfect example that we should walk in His steps. 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22. Jesus came to die for our sins. Galatians 1, verse 4. But He also came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, and verse 8 and 9. came to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus came to this earth in great measure, spending a lot of His time preparing the apostles to teach the truth after he was gone. Aren't we thankful? Someone has said, maybe I heard this at PTP, but it stuck with me. Someone said that, that probably when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, together they touch upon about only about 50 days of Jesus' life. Think about that. All we have really touched upon in Scripture is about 50 days of Jesus' life. But if we look closely at these 50 days, that can, that can change an eternity for us. Aren't we thankful Jesus come? God with us. With us. And when you think about God, Jesus, with us, never forget that He is still with us. Because He is God, He is still with us. Think about some ways in which He is even with us now. Every day, in a sense, He's with us because who is it that keeps life going every day? I mean, Colossians 1 17, speaking of Jesus being our Creator, it says, In Him all things consist, all things are upheld by the word of His power. Is a statement also made in Hebrews 1 uh, verse 3. He up, all things are upheld. So Jesus is with us in creation. How do these things keep going? How, how can we expect that, that we will have what we need and that, thing, that days will continue? Jesus is holding this up every day. So He's with us in that way. Jesus is potentially with everybody in His death. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says, 
that he was wounded for whose transgressions? Our transgressions, your transgressions. He was, he was bruised for our iniquities, my iniquities, your iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we, you, and I are healed. Okay? Potentially, Jesus is with us in, in just in his dying on the cross for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5 and, and 21 says that he who knew no sin became sin in our behalf, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That's, a, of course, a very beautiful statement. But Jesus is with us in particular when we obey. When we obey him, he promises to be with us. In fact, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Beware of greed. Stay away from greed. Stay away from covetousness. Stay away from the love of money. And then the promise is that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus gives the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And at the end of this, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Our Lord is also with us if we're obedient to him. He's also with us in challenging times. We love to read Psalm uh, 23 and, and how David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Lord is with us in challenging times. Even in death, the Lord is with us. And the Apostle Paul, as he ends the chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, he's speaking of the judgment day. The dead in Christ shall rise first. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We will ever be with the Lord. So put all that together for a second. Okay. The Lord is with us every day. He keeps life going. He is with us as he died for our sins. He's with us in particular as we submit and obey and carry out His will. He is even with us when we face the toughest times in life and He will be with us throughout eternity. Is there, I ask you this morning, is there a greater friend available than the Lord? People on earth, even us, will turn to various things because we are social people. We're social. Even the Lord, it says in Luke 2.52, He increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. We are made, God made us as social people. We need the right type of social life. That begins with God. But so many turn to other things. Other things. Now, some people turn to cigarettes, you know, and I've actually heard testimony from those who continue this, this practice, okay, and they'll say, well, these, these cigarettes are there every day for me. These are 20 friends I have. It's not that they don't have the information. 
The information is right out there on the carton of the, of the cigarettes or on the pack of the cigarettes. It's not a lack of information. It's more of a, it's more of a social connection thing. They, they have something they can turn to. This pack of cigarettes is here for me every day or this iPhone is here for me every day or this is here for me every day or this is here for me every day whether it be something that's not related to drugs or is related to drugs you can see how that when we don't know Jesus as a personal friend then we will turn to other people other matters and that's what happens but can there be a friend better than the Lord he is with us all the way he is the eternal one he's the powerful one he is God so Jesus who is this Jesus he is the Savior of the world he is God he is God with us we won't develop this but as you look over to Luke 1 32 we see that he is the son he is the son let me just give you some ideas for you to to develop on your own there Gabriel says to Mary he is the he is to be great he is to be the son of the most high but in verse 35 of Luke 1 he says he is to be holy he's to be the son of God and then for your study Mark 14 Jesus is on trial they asked Jesus, are you the son of the blessed one? And he says, yes, I am. Yes, I am. So for your further study, think about Jesus as the son. He's the son of the most high. He's the son of God. He's the son of the blessed one. To him, we owe our lives. To him, we give our lives. Who is this Jesus? He's the Savior he is God. He's the Son. Will you come home to Him today? Let's all stand together and sing. Brother Aaron.